Wise Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Okay, welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think, feel, and who knows, maybe even act based on the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights from the guests I bring you each and every week. We've got a great show for today. I've got three guests for you. We've got Jonathan Littman and Susanna Camp, and they're going to talk about uh, the subject is really the overall topic of our show today, which is entrepreneurship and building your own brand. So they've got a book called The Entrepreneur's Face is How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. And it's really about uh, the stories of uh, some archetypes that they've developed as to uh, personality types for entrepreneurs and how each one can follow a specific path towards success and a lot of great and interesting examples of it. The book reads kind of like a fiction, but it's nonfiction, so it's a fun read. It's very interesting, good stuff for anybody thinking about launching their own business. We've also got somebody, an individual who has her own business and a very specific niche. Her name is Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith. She wrote this book, Born to Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. And she claims at first you need to find your soul's purpose and kind of who you are and what you are and what you have to offer. And then you can build your, uh, find your niche, your business niche, and then find kind of the niche within the niche within the niche to really, if you're an individual, uh, define your brand and launch your own business. So interesting stuff on Guys Guys Radio. So I think you'll enjoy it because, you know, nowadays everybody's got to be a little bit of an entrepreneur. You can work for a big corporation, but they've got to know who you are and how you differentiate yourself. Or, you know, you can get lost in the shuffle in some of these big companies and sometimes it's good, but other times they forget about who you are and you're you're the first one to go. So you really have to, you have to be careful in terms of how you manage your personal brand in a big corporation and smaller companies. I know I worked at some smaller Size advertising agencies, and you knew who the stars were because they were delivering. There was no hiding behind bureaucracy or anything. You're either making it or not. But you also have to be able to brand yourself there too, so people know, okay, this person is the go-to person for this or this or this. And it's really important that first you determine what you're the go-to person for. What is your brand all about? Who you are? What you are? What you have to offer? And you don't want the market to define you. You want to define yourself in the marketplace. And that's kind of how it works. So interesting stuff in uh, today's marketplace for anybody who's in business. You really have to brand yourself as well as your business. And you have to find some points of differentiation. And then you have to follow traditional business techniques as to, uh, you know, profitability and scaling and building a team and knowing how to communicate what you have. And then for the most part, I think most businesses are going to have to use social media somehow. You really have to get your arms around that also. So all here today on Guys Guys Radio. So what else is going on out there? Well, this is February, so we've got the Super Bowl this coming weekend. We've got Valentine's Day, which I call the the holiday that everybody dreads, particularly this year because with COVID and everything, if you've been in the house with your partner for the past year, you might be throwing dishes at each other. Who knows? (laughs) Or you might be buying flowers. You can come closer together. I know my wife and I actually, uh, I think we're closer now than we were a year ago, which is great. But at times, you know, you get stretched when uh, everybody is, is in the same place and you're kind of in lockdown. And it's really, it's really torn apart a lot of relationships and a lot of families. But Valentine's Day is coming up. And then we've got, again, the Super Bowl. So let's talk about the Super Bowl a little bit. We've got Tom Brady and the, the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, it's his new team. He had been on the Patriots for all those years. And he 
managed to somehow get the Bucks into the Super Bowl with the upset of the Green Bay Packers up in cold and frosty Lambeau Field last week, and it was a that was a fun game. And there was a there was a real mess in the fourth quarter, and uh, the Bucks came out winning, and uh, and that's the way it goes. So they're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, the current champions, and Patrick Mahomes is the young stud quarterback there. So it's a real it's a real uh, generational thing where you've got Tom Brady, who's like, I don't know if he's 43 or something. You've got Mahomes, who's probably 24, 25. And they're both great quarterbacks. And uh, so you have an interesting Super Bowl. These two teams have never played each other. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. My pick, hmm, I think the Bucks are going to keep it close because Tom Brady's very good at uh, running the offense. And they're not going to let the Chiefs, who have a very explosive offense, go wilding on them. So I think the, the idea is, like, play keep away and don't make mistakes. That said, you know, Brady threw three interceptions in the second half last week. And he was, in some ways, fortunate to win that game because I think Green Bay made a couple of bonehead plays. And, uh, you know, if Brady plays that way, he had a magical first half. He had a terrible second half. If he plays the way he did in the second half against the Chiefs, it's going to be... Uh, they're going to get walloped. And I think the Chiefs will win out because I think they've just got more firepower and they've got a pretty good defense and they're very explosive. And I just think that the youth and the speed is going to win out in this game. And I'm going to predict the score is going to be 34 to 26 Kansas City. But I think it'll be a fun game, particularly in the first half. So what else do we have going on? We've got Valentine's Day, the day that everybody wants to avoid usually at least guys to be guys do because they don't they don't know what to get because they're like hey i'll get i'll get her lingerie but you know that's really for them it's really the man's buying the present for the woman but really he's the one who wants to see it and you have to figure out okay what would really please my my partner this valentine's day so i know for uh i have a my own relationship my wife wanted a reading from a uh a channel so that's what i'm getting her you wanted that and uh, that's what I'm going to get. So maybe I'll get something else because it's interesting because I've got the double whammy. My birthday, excuse me, my wife's birthday and Valentine's Day are two days apart. So I have to do something a little more traditional, fun, maybe a little jewelry or something like that, as well as the flowers, of course, for Valentine's Day this year. So think about it, guys. You got to do something, COVID or not. You got you to gotta take care of your partner, particularly in the times like this, because uh, everybody needs to feel loved and feel a little bit of relief. So anyhow. Guys, Guys Radio, ready to get rolling with our guests? Let's get started right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, we've got a very special guest today, uh, Jonathan Lippman. And Susanna Camp, they've written this book called The Entrepreneur's Faces, How Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. And uh, it's a terrific book. And it's really important right now that we talk about entrepreneurs on Guys Guys Radio because, you know, this is a time where there's a lot of pressure on people with their jobs and uh, needing to kind of think out of the box and do things in a new way. And whether you work at a big corporation that may be downsizing or you're working remotely or you're working on your own startup with your own vision, you've got to have that entrepreneurial spirit nowadays, whether you like it or not. So we've got two experts on here. 
on Guys Guys Radio. Let me tell you a little bit about my two guests, Jonathan and Susanna. Jonathan Littman collaborated with IDEO on the bestsellers, The Art of Innovation and The Ten Faces of Innovation. And he's the author of 10 books. Five of his books have been optioned for film, which is fantastic. And his award-winning journalism has appeared in Playboy, the LA Times, and Forbes. Susanna Camp, editor-in-chief of SmartUp.Life. She's a journalist specializing in emergency, uh, emerging technology, early leader at Wired Magazine, and also has been on the staff of Macworld, PC World, Axe, Outside Magazines. Thank you so much, Jonathan and Susanna, for being my guest on Guys Guys Radio. Thank you, Robert. It's great to be here. Thanks, Robert. So let's start right at the beginning. I mean, as I mentioned in the lead-in, uh, it's a really troubling times out there, very chaotic, but with chaos often comes opportunities. So we were talking about entrepreneurs. What, what after doing all this research and covering the 10 different uh, entrepreneurial archetypes, writing this book with so many different wonderful stories in it about people who've really made things happen out of nothing or just have continued the story to build and build and build. What is your kind of definition of what an entrepreneur really is? Well, we think you hit it uh, the nail on the head. Uh, the pandemic has created all this chaos and there's been a tremendous growth in new companies started, especially companies with more potential in the last few months, more than in the last 12 years. And there's just a, a huge amount of people who have to pivot, who have to change their business model. So people are trying to find their entrepreneurial way. And what we've discovered is actually there's more than probably one word. There's more than one kind of entrepreneur. We, we see 10 distinct archetypes. Okay, you, there's a really cool quiz that you can take with the book or online at the at the website. And I did mine. I came out as an, an outs, outsider. So why don't you talk a little bit about the uh, the different archetypes for entrepreneurs and you know some of the definitions and what type you guys are? Sure. Well, uh, I would say that the maker is the most iconic type of entrepreneur. Uh, if you if you like to tinker and make things, if you like to prototype everything from physical products to software products, uh, odds are this is your type. Famous makers include uh, Richard Branson of the Virgin Group, who's got dozens of companies. Uh, he's really a tireless inventor. Uh, makers in view uh, view mistakes as fast feedback. So they like to fail forward, which is a, a term that you hear a lot in entrepreneurship. And I, in fact, am a maker. I built the website and that little quiz that you took. I jump in. You said you're the outsider. Well, that is another very popular type. Mm -hmm. uh, the founders of Airbnb, of Uber, they didn't really know anything about those industries. They were outsiders. And when we saw, you know, Airbnb went public. It's worth more than you know any other hotel chain now in the world. So you bring um, sort of this fresh beginner's mindset to an industry, and, and, and you're not a legacy person. You don't you don't follow the rules. You know you will break things faster and find new business models. Uh, we also uh, another type we love right now is the collaborator. Um, you know, we're isolated and we can't have the same serendipity. So you have to up your game 
as an entrepreneurial person and figure out who to collaborate with and how and mm -hmm. how to use some of these new tools today. Why do you think um, so many uh, startups fail? Well, so many restaurants fail. You know, uh, a lot of businesses that are trying to make a lot of money fail. It's always been the reality. Another reason so many fail is that a startup is not trying to be a good business or an average business. It's trying to be an extraordinary business. So when it succeeds, it might end up like Airbnb, which is worth more than $100 billion. Mm -hmm. uh, but to answer the failure problem, it's usually the team. And then that's where our book comes in, in that there's usually a lack of recognition of the diverse archetypes, the diverse kinds of people you want in your initial core team of three, four, five, six people. And you have too many of one type and you're missing certain core type. You should know your strengths and weaknesses and uh, don't just stick with the strengths and then fail by not filling in those, those known gaps with people who can help you. You know, we, we were actually talking to a venture capitalist yesterday and it's, it's really often happens that there's a good product person, there's a good technical person, and a startup grows to a point where they actually need more of a classic leader, which is one of our types. And, and it's often hard, especially for a younger entrepreneur who's been perhaps so excellent in so many things, the technology, getting the funding, to recognize that they don't have the maturity or the experience and they need to bring in a leader or they need to do another thing we talk about a lot is get coached and develop some of these capabilities of these archetypes. In the book, you talk about um, the seven stages of the arc, um, the awakening, shift, place, launch, money, test, scale, really kind of the, the, the stages, the life stages of a startup, I guess. Could you uh, elaborate a little bit on why, how do you discover these, why they're so important? and uh, what people need to know about those arc stages. Sure. The early stages in the arc are all about energy and building momentum. And that's where somebody like uh, the athlete would really help you out. Um, uh, outsiders, too, in the, in the beginning, sort of uh, sizing up the, the field and figuring out where they can get an in. Uh, and evangelists. Evangelists will tell the story of your startup, tell the story of that product, and really win people over and start selling before you even have any real product to sell. And the, the first stage is awakening. And I think a lot of us, we have this awakening. We have a great idea. A colleague has a great idea. We get all excited about it. And a lot of times we just fall back on the couch. We don't move forward. So you have to go to the second stage, which we call the shift. And that's where you actually do things. You start to think about you know, who the customer might be and how might I build the first early prototype. We, we have several other stages. And another stage is quite interesting today. We call it place. Now you might think there is no longer a place because we're all stuck at home. 
but there is there's a there's a digital network place and you have to find your place which is you find your community you you find customers you find partners you might need to build that place uh, yeah. the conductor is one of the types who's right. great at actually assembling a network of all the people that he knows who have strengths in various areas and then in sort of midway a little bit past midway you know you have to launch and in a lot of um, entrepreneurs, this is where they really get cold feet. This is actually stage four. They're afraid of launching. And one big fear might be, let's say you have a good corporate job. You know, do I leave that lifeboat, right? And jump onto this little dinghy, um, this startup. And a, and a lot of experts help them to figure out how to sort of bridge both. You might keep the job longer. This might be something you're doing at 10 to one in the morning, um, and then you launch. Um, and then we have other classic stages that you have to go through. We have a whole stage we call money. And money is, is both about investment and finding the right investors, which is very key, but also finding the right customers uh, because you may not be able to get a lot of investment. You may have to drive you know, through revenue. Um, finally, we have test which is where you really find out if this thing works, if it really makes money, if it's really going to be ongoing. And then you talked about how tough it is to be a startup. If you're lucky, you get to scale where you really can have exponential gains. Okay, my special guests on Guys Guys Radio, Jonathan Lipman and Suzanne Camp, we're talking about their book, The Entrepreneur's Faces, How to Make Makers, visionaries, and outsiders succeed. H how did you choose the subjects for your book? It's a great question. We we were both in San Francisco. We were going to write all these events. Yeah, we were pretty deeply embedded in the San Francisco tech ecosystem. I have a huge network of ex-wired people. And as you know, networks are exponential. So it just continues to grow and grow. Uh, we were going out to events all the time. and we began to see realize that people were coming to silicon valley to learn the silicon valley mindset and they were coming from all over the world uh, we wanted to see where those people were coming from so we went set off on a big tour of the world and we traveled to 14 different countries we interviewed hundreds of founders and we settled on just 10 of those founders who were very unique and archetypal. Yeah, and I think you mentioned earlier uh, something about stories. We're real believers that you learn through stories and we wanted a different book. We didn't want it to be a story of one billionaire, you know, a guru entrepreneur, but these 10 different types, which we think they're more approachable. You might imagine you're one or two or three of, of these people. And there, uh, four of them are international. Actually, two are from Estonia, which is one of the most entrepreneurial countries in the world. It's tiny. Um, and of course, there are some here from Silicon Valley and San Francisco. We even had one from Paris and Finland. Well, one thing that they all had in common is that they all knew how to tell their story. And in order to really win people over with these stories, we needed to find people who were evangelists about themselves. Uh, and I would give that advice to any founders or would-be founders out there, know how to tell your story well, 
and okay. that will get you a lot farther. Yeah, and we we saw this San Francisco. We could sell you know something that uh, doesn't exist. <laughs> there's no software. There, there's no product. And you go to Europe and other places, and they might have fantastic technology, but they can't market it. They can't sell it. They can't envision this larger future. And so all of our founders had that ability, and they all also went through lots of obstacles. It's you know there are a lot of easier ways to uh, go through life than be a startup founder. So they all had a lot of bravery and. Um, persistence. Well, let me ask you this. Um, credibility to me is so important. I know in the kind of in the podcast world, if you will, you know, some people talk about downloads, but really the key to success is credibility. And when you're in business and I've been in the, on the service side and advertising and on, on the client side and manufacturing and consumer products, you really need when you're starting up or have some type of an entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial, if you're in a big corporation, you're, you're in new business or uh, new products or whatever, you need to develop at a certain point that magic called credibility. Um, would you agree with that? And then what is the best way for entrepreneurs to, to uh, get credibility? And the reason I ask that is in, the, in a lot of startups, you know, they're referred to, okay, there's five guys in a room. And how do you get, the, really the question is, how do you get beyond being five guys in a room, beyond just the resumes that the, the team has. How do you really get people to take you seriously that you've got really something going on besides right. the technology itself? Right, well, the, the VCs and the angel investors always say the number one factor is they invest in the founders, in the team as, as human being, and that it's not all about the technology or, or the uh, business model. Credibility can come from being in a good incubator, a good accelerator. It can come from having a first-rate advisors or 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 a, or a coach. Um, it it can come from you know as Susanna just mentioned, you know, like how you tell your story um, and not hype, um, you know, but with real data and and. Because one of the things in this process is you're going to get pushed back on your heels. You're going to have investors or customers asking you tough questions, and you might not have the right answer the first time. And what they will really credit you on is doing their hard work and coming back and maybe fixing a problem in, in your business model. I want to say, too, I want to add to that, that credibility comes from diversity, from assembling a diverse team and making better decisions because you, you have more voices. I mean, if you think about it, if, you're, if you are your own first customer and you design a product only for yourself or for people like you, uh, you're, you're not really going to meet enough needs. So you need to have the, the self-awareness to know what you're good at, what you're not good at, and who's going to come in and uh, fill in those gaps on your team. In terms of uh, the aha moments when you were interviewing all these people and compiling uh, the information for the book about what really, what the consistencies were with uh, the people who are successful. First of all, if you could talk about that a little bit, and then let's bring that across to our listeners in terms of if they want to be entrepreneurs, what are those three uh, foundational uh, pillars that they really need to get started and do things, get off on the right foot, if you will? Prototyping. 
you know, you can talk all you want. You can do a business plan. Most of these people do not do business plans. They, they, they prototype, they get a, a simple product out there and they test demand. Um, I, I think that that is a huge element in success. Uh, I would say also empathy is very important. Uh, I did a little research on on you, Robert, and your your platform, and you talk about what what's a guy's guy, right? And a guy's guy shows strength and leadership and discipline and power, but also emotional intelligence. And with emotional intelligence comes empathy. And um, you, I'm sure you know too that in sales and marketing you've got to have empathy and really listen to your users and find out what they need. To build on that, the mm -hmm. listening, um, almost every entrepreneur in our book, the first model did not work. And, and, and I think that's really what distinguishes a, a more likely successful entrepreneur, entrepreneur is that willingness to go, gosh, I had this great idea, but the first iteration of it, it's, it's not right. And, and that's where it's so key to listen to the right advisor or the right coach and to find the next iteration and to have the courage actually to let go of that, that previous model and, and to change. And sometimes that means firing people, right? Because you may have hired people for a specific model and they no longer are relevant for your new model, one of our best entrepreneurs had to fire three quarters of her company because her model completely changed. So that requires you know, a lot of courage and strength. Do, do people have to uh, look inside and ask themselves what type of uh, you know, person or archetype they are to have a shot at succeeding as an entrepreneur? I mean, nowadays with downscaling and so many people being out of work, everybody has to, in my opinion, think that way. But a lot of people who've worked for major corporations for a long period of time, they are uncomfortable in the smaller environment where, you know, you're you're really uh, you're being judged on what you bring to the table. You got to hunt to eat. And in the big corporations, a lot of times you can kind of get lost and hide in the shadows a little bit of the bureaucracy. And some people are very comfortable there, just kind of yesing their way along. And of course, everybody has to contribute and do things. But when you're in a smaller organization, 100 people or less, a lot of times it's it's more out there. Like if you're good, you're going to get rewarded and you're going to succeed. If you're not, there's no place to hide. Talk about that dynamic a little bit and why it's important for uh, people to be able to look inside and ask themselves, am I right for being an entrepreneur or not? Founders are like this. They, they really have to have all their wits about them. They have to be rounded and grounded and centered and humble. Um, I would add that I think that we found that you usually have a strong archetype and then an inspirational archetype. So I actually was a competitive uh, athlete, a division one athlete in college. And I'm the athlete. I'm not actually an athlete as an entrepreneur, but the athlete is the person who you throw them, you know, in the middle of the week in a startup and there's five new problems and they love it. They love it that it's difficult. They love it that these are fresh problems to solve. But over the time, I've decided to become more of an outsider, which I think is, is your type, which is something I'm working on. So what distinguishes an entrepreneur, I think, from more of a more traditional corporate person is that 
you really embrace your strength, but you aspire often to grow as, as an athlete might grow or a musician might grow. And you also start to recognize the element Susanna mentioned, this empathy and humility that you can't be the five or 10 people on the team. As good as you ever get, you're going to need three other stars. And you start to recognize that. And one more thing to add in business, archetypes are, are used by, by all kinds of people. The, the Jungian archetypes, the uh, Myers-Briggs test, the Strengths Finder, the DISC. We really wanted to bring a model that was more holistic and more inclusive and didn't sort of pigeonhole people into one type or another, but uh, help them to embrace all of their types. Last question um, for both of you. Uh, I'd like to hear your individual perspective. If somebody you know says, I'm going to, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur and want to start my own business, I need some advice, what would you tell them? Well, I'll go back to what I said a little earlier. Just know how to uh, pitch yourself, how to tell your story well, uh, how to move minds and hearts with uh, your, your best uh, narrative story about your origin. Uh, the origin of your company and, and what really inspired you to bring that to the world to help people. One of our favorite uh, characters in the book, uh, his name is actually Joel Heath. Um, his inspiration was he got fired, which can be a great time to be an entrepreneur. Sure. And he uh, was married and he put on his bathroom mirror five ideas for a new company. So every day he got up, you know, while he was shaving, he had these five ideas right in his face. His <laughs> wife got a little irritated by this, but it was great. And eventually he chose one of them and, and, and dug in. Um, and it's, it's not something to do on your couch, um, starting a company. Okay. Jonathan Lippman, Susanna Camp. The book is The Entrepreneur's Face is how, to, how Makers, Visionaries, and Outsiders Succeed. It's really terrific. And you guys are great also. Tell everybody where they can learn more about you two, your books, and this particular book, where they can get more information and buy a copy. Sure, Robert. Well, the book is available on Amazon. You can look it up by the title, The Entrepreneur's Faces, and find it there. The Entrepreneur's Faces com website is where you can also find all the links to the book, all the links to our uh, media, the articles we've written, and uh, the podcasts we have been on, including this one now. Thank you very much. Uh, and you can take the quiz there at theentrepreneurspaces.com. Yeah, we love to hear people telling us about their type and, and when they discover their type, um, you know, what it means to them. Um, maybe what they're aspiring um, to grow in a certain type. Uh, so we're on LinkedIn. Uh, we also like to hear from people there. We post a lot there. Great. All right. Thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. I think you guys are awesome. And it's a terrific book and a lot of great advice for people. So check it out. It's Guys Guy Radio. Another special guest, her name is Rebecca Louisa Smith. She's got a book, it's called Born to Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. And uh, Rebecca has a very interesting background. Um, she began her career in the film industry, 
about 10 or 12 years ago. She was uh, in the National Horror Film Festival. And then she started her company, which is called the Film Festival Doctor. So she's actually helped a lot of uh, aspiring filmmakers get their films into the right festivals and get viewed at the right festivals. And that's quite an achievement because it is a tricky business, the film business. Most people don't realize that it's a, in many ways, if you want to get a film made, it's all about the money. And that's why you see so many different producers because the money comes from so many different uh, resources. But uh, unless you're working with a really, really big studio and they're they're all in on a mo movie. But for the most part, most of the films are uh, kind of parsed together, all the financing. So Rebecca has also uh, set up a company, uh, the Film Festival Doctor, and uh, where she helps those those uh, aspiring filmmakers. And she also has put this book together that really weaves in uh traditional kind of entrepreneurial startup practices with some spiritual aspects to help you really do a better job and that's one of the focuses of our discussion today so we're going to talk about her personal mentoring and her career and all other kinds of stuff on guys guys radio so welcome to the show dr rebecca louisa smith thank you so much robert that was a great intro <laughs> i took half the interview time for it but anyway uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show so the one thing that stuck out when i was going through all your materials was um the 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 horror genre uh i know you're involved in film and horror is such a specific genre and i know some folks who they love horror and other people just don't get it and i'm kind of on the fence uh i'm not into the bloody gory stuff but a a, a thriller Sometimes when you get a, a horror story where it really scares you, but they do it psychologically, like Hitchcock, I, I like that. I don't know if he even been, can, if he would even be considered horror. But tell us about your uh, your love for horror, how you got involved in that, and how you got into the film business. So it all happened by accident. That wonderful thing where it's like, wow, I did not expect that to happen. So I was studying for my PhD in Wales, Aberystwyth. And that's a very kind of lonely process when you write a PhD. I mean, it's obviously an interesting subject that you're doing, but it's very much like a solitude kind of thing. And I was very like a people person. And my good friend uh, was asked to produce a horror film festival by the National Film Council of Wales because there's no horror film festival in Wales. And I wanted to be in a particular area that uh, in Aberystwyth because there's lots of students there. So he was like, do you want to help out? And I was like, yeah, I have something to do. And that something to do was actually, I've just found what my sole purpose is and my life's purpose. I should be working in the film industry and not in academia because I have a passion for helping filmmakers get their films into festivals. And there was a big gap in the market. No one was actually doing the service that I offer at the time. There's only like one or two people, but it was a very, very under the radar kind of service no one knew about. So I wanted to make it more mainstream and a very like in-demand service. And that's what I've done. Uh, and other people do a similar thing to me, but there's not many of us. It's still very small. It's not it's not oversaturated. And now I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, what my self-purpose told me to do. And okay. it all came by accident, all, all by accident, totally unprepared and unplanned. So before we get into kind of how you took those initial steps then, um, what's going on with the virtual festivals now? I know with COVID and the lockdowns, uh, the traditional, the big ones like uh, Aspen and all the Sundance, they're, they're, it, they're, they have to do it a little bit differently and there's going to be a lot of virtual festivals. How's that work out? That's right. So the virtual model is actually working really well. Uh, filmmakers, sorry, festivals who know how to work it now are doing a brilliant job. And it's really great to see so many films available um, on this virtual model. So it tends to work in a way where it works better when the festival doesn't just rely on it being there online, but they actually do the social media behind it. They promote it. They have press about it. 
for example, right now, as we speak, Sundance has moved hybrid. So it's there are some drive-in screenings around some parts of the US, um, but a lot of it is online and it's working really well. You get updates every day about the little virtual village and there's also a virtual VR room to go into. So it's very interactive and hands-on and it's working really well. Um, but you do need um, to help create a buzz and that means relying on social media and doing that kind of thing to make it feel like it's part of the community because obviously festivals are all about being as part of a group in a community and sharing that experience with people. Doing it online is very different but it works when the festival makes it feel like a festival and not just a online screening. Do you think that um, for filmmakers this can be a good thing even if uh, you know we go back to a hybrid model or full on every everybody's there in, in real time live that having the virtual uh, allows more films to be screened? Yes. I mean, sometimes with some platforms, a lot of festivals can screen a lot of films at one time. So it does have a lot of advantages. Um, and I think it's going to be here to stay because a lot of festivals have said how useful the online model is because they can actually reach out to more people with it being like a global outreach for the industry um, parts of their festival. So then with Aspen, they have an industry section where they have Q&As and masterclasses, et cetera. And they now can actually, you know, reach out online um, to more people than they could before, those that couldn't afford to fly in and whatever reason. So right. that's going to stay for a long time, but it won't replace the actual physical festival yeah. model. It's not possible. Okay. Now, you, we talk about uh, horror and film and then the spirituality in a startup. So how did you kind of weave all that together when you were doing your own startup as an entrepreneur? So when I first began my company, I didn't know much about spirituality because I didn't know I found my sole purpose a few years later. I became more spiritually um, aware and in tune um, when I broke up with my ex-boyfriend at the time. And then I then went turned towards that area to help me recover and get positive and to actually figure out how to, to manage the situation. It was quite stressful. And it was there where I learned all about sole purpose and also other techniques. And then I figured out that me running my own business i am my business i'm my brand that is that is a fact and i wanted you know the business is me so it's i'm the one that steals the ship you know so to speak and i realized that it's important to not just um leave the business to the side when you're learning spirituality and then work on yourself you have to integrate that into your business as well um so then i began to be, actually be more positive when i first when i began to integrate spiritual techniques into my business but probably as part of the infrastructure let's talk about a couple of those things um energetic branding what is it and how do you employ that i'm going to say that's a good example i was going to say that for an example so when i first started my company up um, i had a really good logo it had a woman on the front with a very cool afro and she had like a film reel in her hair as a hairband it's a very very cool logo and it was all black and then I met a woman called Marie Diamond, who is the Feng Shui expert in The Secret, at a party. A friend of mine introduced me to her, who knows her very well. And she said to her, oh, this is my company. I started my company up a few years ago. And then she said, whoa, it's, the energetic alignment is, is, is low. She said, there's no color. And also what's happening here is that the woman has her back to your logo. So it says, where it says the film is doctor, she's turning away from it. So really what you're doing subconsciously is turning your back to clients because it's not facing in alignment with the logo and it needs to change. Otherwise, you won't get anything or it will really, you know, have a detrimental effect and get more clients, even no matter how positive you might be. And also there's no color. I mean, it needs gold. It needs something to stand out, you know, and boldness to it. Right now it's shrunken away and you're turning your back from people and you want to help them. So the minute I spoke to her, I said, oh, I need to hire you for this. So then I worked with my supervisor, my um, my designer, and he changed the logo for me. 
And since then, people can see it now and they see it and they, they recognize it and they hear about it and they're drawn to it. And before it was, you know, sinking down the surface. So that was a really big thing. And then she talked about color itself, about how important that is for branding, but also for yourself as a person being a business leader. It's, a, it's wrong just to wear it all black and nothing else. You need to have that energy coming out of you and you can tap into these abundant colors of the universe that she calls quantum colors. She told me that, you know, gold is abundant, silver is magnificence. Putting these colors into your branding, into you and your clothing will certainly make a difference to your energy. And it does. It's subtle, but it does. Our special guest on Guys Guys Radio is Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith. We're talking about her book, Born to Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. Finding your niche and your sole purpose. You know, when somebody thinks about a business niche, it's business. And when you think about your sole purpose, it might be something a little bit different than that. How do you kind of uh, marry those two? So the sole purpose is something that you were was in you that you're born to do. You put this earth to do. You were born with it, literally. That's why the book is called Born to Do It, and it and the book tells you how to tap into that. Because when I was doing my PhD, I thought I wanted to do that, but other people told me I should, and I didn't actually want to. And then I realised that, that was obviously not what my body wanted, what my soul wanted through working at the festival. So a sole purpose is something that you wake up and you're drawn to something, whether this be kind of hobby or a subject or whatever, and you can just work on it for hours and time passes. You know, you lose track of time because you're so involved in it. And that's different from doing a normal job because this is something which you really do put extra effort into because you're guided towards to do so. So it's not something that is just unique to you and I. It's everyone has it. It's a you have to kind of tap into it. And that can take some time because it's not something you actually look for. But then when you do, you then get very well rewarded. You do marry the uh, traditional business aspects of things and entrepreneurship in the book, the key performance indicators, um, sales indicators, the BANT, the budget authority, need and time. And there's some nice exercises in the book to set everybody up. So what is the real path? If somebody's going to start a business now, their own business, and often people are becoming their own brands. And whether you work for a big corporation or not, you still kind of have to brand yourself. So what would be the steps and in what order? would somebody take to set their business up using your techniques? The first thing to do is figure out, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? So first of all, tune into your self-purpose. That's the first thing to do. And then when you think, yeah, this is really what I'm doing, it's what I'm supposed to be doing, it's then got to really home in on your niche. And then you can then start building the, the business. So when I say home in on the niche, for example, um, what for my niche is the film industry. We have to actually then really laser down that niche to a micro niche. So, for example, for me, obviously, the micro niche is film distribution. And then to really get specific, I work in the area of film festival distribution, helping my clients get their films seen in the right film festivals. So it's not like I work in film. Yes, but what aspects? And then also what micro aspect are you an expert in that your purpose has called you to do? And the same with, say, social media. So say, oh, but I'm an expert social media. Which platform? You can only really do one to be an absolute true expert. And then you say, oh, well, it's Facebook. What doing what? Oh, it's actually building Facebook marketing videos to get really profitable businesses up and running. You know, mm-hmm. so that's what you're going to do. 
So the uh, other traditional markers are just that, the key performance indicators, the uh, BANT, the budget authority, need and time. Those are structures that you need to incorporate regardless of what your business is going to be because that's how businesses are run. Is that correct? Absolutely. The basic key things. So um, the sales pipeline is crucial. Knowing how to pitch yourself so you can close deals with clients is also very important. We teach you how to do that in the right way. And also the other basic things, such as budget forecasting and um, putting together uh, an infrastructure, which is very easy to do when you know what it is. I didn't know that at first when I first started the company, but no one does. So it was hindsight. But my business coach, Jolanda Milioto, is like an absolute legend. So that was brilliant. So how does somebody best uh, do that elevator pitch and pitch themselves? Well, the key thing with an elevator pitch is summarize what your business does, but then let the potential client do the talking. So you actually only speak 80% of the time. The 20% is the client because you've got to ask them the questions of, so what are you having problems with? Where are you finding blocks? And then you you could then explain how you solve those problems and uh, get rid of those blocks by doing X. Right. The pain points, right? Yes. Which is like spin selling. Um, Yep. So you also have cosmic ordering, um, yeah. uh, manifesting and then kind of listing uh, specific goals, whether it be daily, hourly, monthly or whatever. How does that kind of funnel work? So cosmic ordering is a really interesting and unique kind of technique that I incorporate into my business. I mentioned in the book how to do it. But cosmic ordering is a little bit different to manifestation. It's not a case of you, you obviously manifestation, you visualize clearly what you want and then you affirm what you want and very specific. This is asking. So Ellen Watts taught me this when I was um, probably about three years ago. And then she said, what you do is you say, what I really want is, and then you say what you want. And at the end, you say, for the good of all concerned, that way no one loses out for you to get. Mm -hmm. And then in the business sense, I do it in this way. So each morning I have my goals and I turn my goals into orders. So I always say what I really want is for a minimum of one of the films to to be accepted into a film festival today for the good of all concern. So I don't go too like precise and go, I want it to be this film in this festival, because that's that can that can can be mm-hmm. a bit You don't want to be too controlling. It's more a case of like, well, I've put everything out there, so let me just ask and I'll come back. And it's specific is important though. So I'm obviously saying, you know, no less than one of my films to get into a festival. It's like when you go to a restaurant, I want chips with cheese. Not if you want cheese, you've got to ask. So it's important to be clear but also not too specifically in the control things has to be very, um, what's the word, um, flexible. I always find that one of the challenges and obstacles that people have when uh, working on their quote unquote manifesting is that they are blocked from receiving. Yes. Um, they're great at asking and they're great at wanting, but they're not that good at receiving. Any thoughts on that? I know I kind of just threw that out there, but. No, it's a brilliant question. And it is because when you're so attached and get wobbly, that means that you can then um, subconsciously block it because you're not being able to see things differently or you miss things coming in. So, yes, um, it's important to trust. So when you place the order, you let go and you trust. Get rid of it. It's gone. And then you trust it and it'll come back and you'll come. Sometimes they, the orders and what you ask for comes in a different way to what you expect. So whereas you want it to be this way, it could come a different way. So, for example, I guess that order one of my films getting to a festival. I thought, well, I'm not due to hear about many festivals today. So I want to ask her to come in. But I thought, we're not going to think about the how. I'm going to just, like, ask and do it. And then, like, about three hours later, we got an email from a contact of ours 
who said, oh, thanks so much for sending through the link of the film. We loved it. Can we screen it? And I was like, ah, but that was, again, it was an email that did that, not the, I should hear back from this festival today on, on my schedule. It's like, you know, things come in other ways and you used to expect. You know, it's interesting. It's like a story, right? A good story. You get the ending that you want, but not in the way you expect it, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's all this way. <laughs> so my special guest, uh, Rebecca Louisa Smith, Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith, the book again is Born to Do It. Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. And the book has a lot of nice exercises on it. Uh, in it, uh, it allows you to kind of stay on track uh, with some guideposts there and some things you fill out. And it's, it's, I think it's very practical and helpful. And I love the fact that you put together the spiritual aspects and considerations, if you will, along with the traditional business considerations. Because you really, if you want to be successful, you probably have to do both. So a final question for you, Dr. Smith, would be, what would be your kind of your advice? Three things to do if you're going to launch a business. Real quick. Three things to do would be, one, um, always know that you have a market for your business. You have a, a thriving market where you can fit in and your service is in demand. Okay. Number two is before doing anything, before trying to get any um, new clients, is always perfect and research what your sales pitch is. And number three, always integrate spiritual techniques because that way you'll find it a very enjoyable process and less stressful. I love it. Fantastic answer. And thank you for being on Guys Guys Radio. Tell everybody where they can find out more about you and your book. Um, my website, which is RebeccaLouisaSmith.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at RebeccaFilmDR. Perfect. All right. Thanks so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. Dr. Rebecca Louisa Smith. Thank you. It's Guy's Guy Radio. Okay, two very interesting interviews with two similar but different guests, if you will, because uh, we had a consistent theme, which is entrepreneurship and brand building and launching a business, and we had two different perspectives on it, although there was some overlap and some similarities. We had Jonathan Littman, Susanna Camp, and their very cool book, The Entrepreneur's Faces, where they kind of uh, create archetypes for uh, different types of individuals who are launching their own business, and they track the stories along the way. And the, the book, even though it's nonfiction, it kind of reads like fiction, so it's fun. They get into... Uh, the seven stages of growth uh, and, and all aspects of launching a business and taking it to fruition and profit. We also had Dr. Rebecca Smith, Rebecca Louisa Smith, and uh, her book is called, again, Born to Do It, Becoming the Leader of a Business Niche Using Powerful Spiritual Techniques. And she takes us into the aspects of uh, how spirituality can underpin your uh, brand building. So what did we learn? Um, I think we learned from Jonathan and Susanna that there are many faces to an entrepreneur, but the world is becoming more and more entrepreneurial as, uh, you know, of course there's jobs and big corporations. And even though when you're in a big corporation, you really want to brand yourself so people know, hey, I want to go to Manny for this because I know he can get that done. Uh, you want to be known for something, so you want to have your own brand. And then if you're launching your own business, as so many people either want to do or find a need to do based on the kind of topsy-turvy economy we have, uh, I think it's important that you really understand w what your brand is, how it's different, what you have to offer, and uh, the building blocks and the stepping stones to creating your own brand and launching your own business uh, to profit. 
And I think uh, Rebecca taught us that uh, along with finding your soul, she, she feels that your soul purpose is a really good place to start, and then you find your niche. And in her case, she went to the film business, and then the niche within the niche was the horror genre, and the niche within the niche, I mean, within the niche was film festival so she has a company film festival doctor and uh, that's how she's done it and then she added some spiritual practices along the way to kind of keep her game on and i think she's done a really good job with that and there's some fun exercises in the book for how you do that but uh there's nothing wrong with uh weaving in spiritual platforms into building your business because it's really all about who you are what you are and what you have to offer and if you if you don't have a clear vision of that and if it's not for the highest good of everybody, then you may not have as best an opportunity to succeed as you may have thought. So, Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening on KCAA Radio here in Southern California. My podcast is available beginning every Thursday, as well as my YouTube at Robert Manny. Uh, is the YouTube channel, and it's called Guys Guys TV, and you can watch all the video interviews with my guests there. So... You can catch me on my website also, robertmanni.com. There you can find over 300 blog posts, everything about life, love, the pursuit of happiness. You can download three free chapters to my novel, The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. It's fun, and I think you'll enjoy it, and people seem to really uh, spark to it. So you can download, again, if you want to check it out, three free chapters from my website, robertmanni.com. There's also a lot of videos and other fun stuff on the website. You can also catch me on social media. I'm all over the place in the usual platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and just come on and say hi there, and I'm posting stuff all the time there. So... That's it for this week on Guys Guys Radio. It's been a pleasure to be here. I really love doing the show. I'm so appreciative of my guests and appreciative of my audience. And I hope everybody out there, all the listeners, are learning the stuff that I'm picking up. And you know, as I always say, I bring in, I do a careful job screening my guests, and I bring on all these folks. And I don't believe every single thing that everybody says, but I take it into consideration as to I'm going to bring in guests that I think may have an interesting perspective or point of view or some added value. And then from there, from there, it's up to you and me and everybody else to decide, hey, I'm vibing with this or, or maybe not, but I'm glad I found out about it because I'd never heard of that before. So that's what we do here on Guys Guys Radio. We're here for you. I'm going to be back next week with another guest or two or three. Who knows? And until then, as I always like to say, guys, guys. Finish first. <laughs>